Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, friends in the room, friends watching online. Thanks for crashing the party today. We talked about uh, women submitting last week, and you guys showed back up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. If you didn't catch that one, don't go back. Uh, nah, just kidding. It's on a podcast. Check it out. Really cool on roles. And so, man, Book of Colossians has been really great. Uh, I got a question for you, uh, though, today. I it's probably a question that not a lot of people in this room have thought about, Okay. Uh, I met with a couple recently that uh, they're getting married in the spring. And so we are in the throes of planning their wedding ceremony. And so we're, we're in like, what songs do you want to sing? And, and how long do you want the message to be? And what are the other elements? Scripture, solos, uh, poems, unity candles, all that kind of great stuff. And, uh, and it dawned on me, like everybody that gets married spends some time planning uh, their wedding. But have you ever thought about planning your funeral before you die. You're going to have to before you die because once you die, you won't have a chance to. But so like, have you ever thought about planning your funeral? Probably not, not a lot of people here. Like, like understand, like when you die, we're gonna have a funeral and you won't be there. You will be spending eternity in one of two places. But I don't know if it matters to you, but uh, w- would it matter what people said? Uh, if, if you want me to do it, do you care? About, about what I say, what, what would the pastor say at your funeral? Uh, I had the opportunity to speak in a lot of different uh, venues, but a funeral is my favorite message to preach because everyone in the room is thinking about eternity. They're thinking about what happens when I die. They're thinking about what happens when, when I am in the box one day and everybody comes to my funeral. I wonder what the pastor would say at my funeral. I wonder who, here's, here's my deal. I don't care what is said at my funeral, like what the pastor says, I'm not gonna be there. Uh, but I would love to know who's gonna be there. I care about who's gonna show up to my funeral because the people that show up to your funeral are people that you impacted. People whose lives are different because you were a part of it. Do you care about that? Uh, I, I, I've told you before, my dad has already told me what passage he wants me to preach at his funeral. I don't know when he's gonna die. I might die before him if I don't stop eating fast food and donuts so much. But if he dies before me, I'm gonna do his funeral. I already know, already know what I'm gonna say. He's like, man, Nathan, you better make it about Jesus. You better make it about the gospel. You better make sure people know what, what matters in life, what matters the most. Um, but I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Um, maybe someone would stand up and, and give some neat stories about what it, you were like growing up. Um, maybe some people would stand up and talk about your personality. Maybe some of your coworkers would be there and they'd start a conversation about your hard work ethic and how great of an employee or an employer that you were. Uh, maybe somebody will talk about your habits or some of the things that you enjoyed to do. And I think all those things are great. I hope, hope those things happen for you. But as, as a pastor and kind of like as your spiritual coach, man, I hope that at your funeral, someone talks about how you made a spiritual impact on their life. Because I love the fact that, that you're a good mom or a good dad. I love the fact that you're a hard worker. I love all the awards and the successes and the hobbies that you have. But can I just be real honest with you? 
none of that has any eternal significance. There's only one thing that'll have eternal significance after you die, and it's the spiritual impact that you had on those around you. I love that you're a great mom, but great moms and their kids die without Jesus every single day. What do you want the pastor to say? What do you want people to talk about? What what are the words that you want shared? Here's the big question. When you get to the end of your life, how will you know if your life even mattered? How will you know? How will you know if you lived a life of significance? How will you know if your life impacted other people? How will you know after you are dead and gone and no one remembers you anymore? How will you know that your life was spent, your resources, your time, your energy and efforts were spent in the right area? I would argue that you, with you that scripture says the only impact and significance you make has to be connected to the eternity of others. If it's just about the here and now, then you will soon be forgotten and people will move on. But what would it look like for you to leave a, a legacy what, what do you want people to say? Paul is gonna actually answer that question for us. If you are here and you want your life to matter, if you wanna make an impact, if you wanna make a an significant impact on people's lives while you're here on earth, Paul is gonna give us an idea and how to answer that question. How do I live my life now so that it'll actually matter? How do I live my life so that at the end of it, when whoever's at my funeral and whoever's preaching and whatever songs and whatever venue that we're in doing it, celebrating your life, how are you gonna make sure that your life actually counted and it was gonna make a difference? We're gonna be in Colossians 4 today, if you have your Bible. Uh, It's gonna be so good. Paul says, man, I really want your life to matter. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and for it to possibly dawn on you that you wasted it that you got nothing to show for it. No lives were impacted. Nothing was changed as a result of you being here. Paul says, I wanna help you avoid that kind of regret at the end of your life and share with you a few things. If you have the Revo app, you can open it up. All the notes will be in there. Paul just starts to list them all, starting in in verse two of Colossians chapter four. This is what Paul says. He says, "I I want you to devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. That's the first thing I want you to write down. If you wanna live a life of impact and significance, you gotta make the decision right now. I'm gonna devote myself to prayer. Prayer is connecting with God. It's drawing the intimacy with God. It's knowing God. It's communicating with God every day. Like if you wanna be a good mom, a good dad, a good employee, a good worker, a good friend, a good neighbor, whatever you wanna be good at, without a connection with God, you won't know how to do it. And so Paul says, devote, listen to that language, devote yourself to prayer. So here's a a hard question. I'm gonna ask you some hard questions today that we really want you to wrestle with to prepare you for a life of impact. Here's the first question for you. What are you devoted to? If your friends and family were to stand in front of your casket at your funeral, what would they say you were devoted to? What was your life actually all about? It's the thing that you talk about the most. It's the thing that you get excited about. It's the thing that you're willing to spend the most amount of money on. It's the thing that if anything else is on your calendar, you're, you're willing to swipe all of that away so that you can focus on, on this. All of your time, energy, and efforts are spent acquiring this. That is what you're devoted on. 
If you're devoted to something, you will sacrifice for it. Maybe that's a, a better reason to, to, to phrase it if you can't figure out what you're devoted to. What are you willing to sacrifice for? What are, what are you willing to live open-handed so that you can have this or get this or do this? Paul says every one of us is devoted to something. And if you want to live a life of significance, you need to make sure you're devoted to the right thing. Be devoted to, to prayer, your connection with God. It's interesting, he says, not only I want, you to be, I want you to be devoted to prayer, but I want you to be watchful and thankful. Maybe those are three words that sound weird together. I can see prayer and thankfulness together. Like when you pray, you see what God has done for you and then you're really thankful for what he's done for you, but watchful, like that really doesn't make sense. In fact, I teach my kids the opposite of watchful. Like when we pray, we close our eyes. Like if I catch you looking around the room, like I will stop mid prayer and like pray a prayer of wrath on you, like at my kitchen table, right? And so I, I tell my kids, like, we, we, need, to, we need to pray and, and, and close your eyes. Bow your heads, close your eyes, right? And, and so, but Paul says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray, like, always with one eye open, right? Like, I'll always be looking. Well, what are we looking for? What's the significance between pray and, and be watchful? I think it's, it's twofold. Um, God is, as we pray, God is constantly answering prayers around us. But if we're not careful, we will totally miss them. God is allowing us to be an answer to our own prayers sometimes. But if we just have our head down and we're not paying attention, we'll totally miss what God is doing. The doors that he's opening up, the blessings that he's put out right in front of us, the opportunities that we have to do the right thing. God says, man, if, you, if you're not careful, if you're not watching for those things, uh, then you'll totally miss them. I think there's another reason why Paul says, I want you to be watchful when you pray. And it has to do with this idea of not wasting your life. Because if we're not careful we can very easily live our lives and drift away from the purpose that God has called us to. Think about the last time you were rolling down the interstate and uh, you either looked aside to adjust the radio or to open up your phone or look at the GPS or maybe you drop something in between the seats and, and you're, you're trying to find it. Well, you take your eyes off the road for just a split second and what happens? Like after a few seconds, you're gonna hear this awful grinding noise on the right-hand side of your car. That's your wheels hitting the little rumble strip. They put those there because they know like if you lose your focus, you will drift, your car will move over. And I don't want your car to be in a ditch on the side of the interstate. So like when you hear that noise, it's time to correct a little bit. It's time to come back, stay in your lane, stay focused on what God's called you to do. Prayer is like that rumble strip because if we don't stay focused on prayer, it keeps our mind forward. If we're not doing that, then I'm telling you, this is our tendency. I've, I've lived it myself. Our tendency is to spend our time and lives doing things that don't matter just serving ourselves, just pursuing stuff in life that no one is gonna remember at your funeral, that no one's gonna care about when you die, that, that doesn't affect anyone or make a difference in anyone's life. That's our tendency. And so Paul says, hey, being in prayer is making sure you're staying in the lane, making sure you're not swerving up. I don't want, I don't want you to get to the end of your life and realize like you're not even on the right road. Don't, don't spend your whole life climbing a ladder only to realize that when you got to the top, it's leaning against the wrong building. Prayer keeps us focused. So pray, Paul says, and be, be watchful to keep your life on track so that you're doing what God's called you to do, that you're making an impact, that you're making a difference in people's lives. And then Paul says that watchfulness 
will always lead to gratitude, lead to thankfulness towards God. So if you want to live a life of, of impact, first thing you got to remember is you got to devote, your, devote yourself to prayer. Be focused on that. What are you devoted to? That's going to determine the direction of your life. Uh, verse 3, and pray for us too. Paul says, man, I want, you, I want you to pray for your boy, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. You want to live a life of impact and significance? Number two, look for open doors. Look for open doors. It's not by accident that Paul uses this language. He says, when you guys pray for me, I want you to pray that God would open up a door. This is actually would be a very common prayer for someone in Paul's position because Paul is finding himself in prison. And uh, I don't know if Paul heard about what happened in Acts when Peter and John were in jail and they prayed and the prison doors flew open and their handcuffs fell off. Like, I don't know if that had gotten word to Paul yet, but he's like, you know what? Maybe this will work. So I want you to pray. On the count of three, we're all gonna pray that the prison door would fly open and these handcuffs would fall off on me and I would just be able to walk out of this jail. That's not what he prays. He says, listen, I want you to pray for an open door. And everybody's like, yep, we're, we're busting this guy. This is a jailbreak right here. We're praying for a jailbreak. Now Paul says, no, no, no. I want you to pray for an open door for me to make a difference in someone's life. I don't care if it's the prison guard. I don't care if it's other people in the prison. I, I wanna make a difference. What doors are you asking God to open in your life right now? Is it just a door for a new job? Is it just more money? Is it just a more comfortable life? Are your prayers all about you? Here's another way to phrase it. If God answered every single one of your prayers, would anybody's life change except yours? Because those aren't prayers that are gonna make a difference. They're not prayers that are gonna impact other people. Yeah, it might change your world, but will your prayers change the world? Paul says, man, I'm not asking you to pray for me, that it would, my life would be easier, that I could blow this joint and get out of this jail. I'm so tired of being in here. They treat you awful in here. He says, man, just pray that I would have an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, that I could speak something that would matter, that would change someone's eternity. I'm not asking you to help me change my here and now. I want my life to be used to change someone's life for eternity. That, that's what I want my life to do. He does not say pray that the doors of the prison would be open. He said pray that the doors of opportunity in my life would be opened and that I would take them. I would seize on them. Help me to see those. Pray that God would make those really evident in my life. Now I need to give you a caveat because something weird is gonna happen when you start praying for open doors from God. When you start praying for opportunities from God. So I wanna give you a heads up because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want there to be a wide open door and you walk right past it asking God to show you what the open door is. Here's, here's the reality. Most open doors and opportunities that God places in your life will look initially like an inconvenience. If you pray that God would use you in a powerful way, that God would help make your life matter, one of the first opportunities you're gonna have is gonna be inconvenient. It's gonna cost you some time. You're gonna meet it, you're gonna see a need that's gonna cost you some of your resources. God's gonna bring something to your attention. He's gonna open up a door and you're gonna to have to realize, wait, that, that's gonna involve one of my Saturdays? Shoot, I didn't know that. This is gonna mean I have to sacrifice and I have to give something up? Wait, I gotta be selfless to walk through this door? Ugh. 
I don't know how many people miss opportunities from God because they're disguised in, in inconveniences and, and hard work and sacrifice. <laughs> but that's Paul. He's like, man, if I have to stay in this prison the rest of my life, just, just pray that there would be doors open. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice for it. I'm willing to put in the work. Just pray that I would be given an opportunity. What kind of doors are you praying that God would open in your life right now? Is it just doors that would serve you and help you and prosper you and make life easier on you? Or are you asking God to open up doors that would allow him to use you to make an impact in somebody else's life? So that when you die, somebody will be at the funeral talking about the doors that you walk through and help their life to change. Which one's it gonna be? That's how you live a life of impact. You look every day for the doors that God has opened for you and you begin to walk through them. Verse number four, uh, pray that, that I may proclaim it as clearly as I should. Paul says, I got a message. I got a purpose in my life. And, and I want you guys to pray that when I get the opportunity to speak, that I would proclaim, that it'd be crystal clear who I am, crystal clear what I am all about, that, that my life is all about Jesus. Everything I have comes from Jesus. Every opportunity is about Jesus. Pray that, that I would be able to do that clearly. Uh, num- number three, thir- third thing, you wanna, you wanna live a life of impact, you need to do this. Uh, you need to learn how to watch your mouth. All right? Now I'm not talking about the, the swear jar uh, at your house, like avoid- avoiding four letter words. Uh, your words are powerful. If you wanna make an impact, if you want to make a difference in someone's life, you are going to have to watch your mouth. Watch the words that come out of it. There's this famous quote by St. Francis of Assisi that, that says, uh, preach the gospel always, use words only when necessary. And that sounds fantastic on the internet, um, but it's totally against what the Bible says. Hey, if you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to have to use words. Like I've, I've never seen anybody come to Christ just because of a good deed. Like I've never, I've mowed my neighbor's grass before. He's, ne- he's not a Christian. He's never come outside after I mowed his grass. He was like, Nathan, I saw you mowing my grass. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I've never been through the drive-through or at a restaurant and paid for somebody's bill. And they chased me down in the parking lot and said, because you bought me a hamburger and gave me a bottle of water, I wanna give my life to Jesus. It'll never happen. You gotta open your mouth. You gotta connect it. Nice people are far from God. Like being a Christian doesn't mean you're a nice person. There's eventually gotta come a point in your life where you, you pay attention to your words. Like, hey, I've been friends with this person for a long time. God's opened up doors. Today's the day where I gotta say something. Today's the day where I gotta use my words wisely because some of the words that you say may end up impacting their life for eternity. Ephesians 4, 29 reads like this. Paul says, when you talk, don't say anything bad, but say the good things that people need. Whatever will help them grow stronger. Then what you say will be a blessing to those who hear you. Here's another question for you. Are the words that you speak a blessing to others? Or is your language just like the rest of the world full of negativity and complaining and tearing other people down? When you speak, are people's lives enriched? Is it, is it pouring into other people? Is it making an investment in their life? Are you sharing those things with people to build people up or to tear people down? Paul warns us about the, the truth of our words and the heaviness of our words. I'm, I'm convicted of this because like, I, I don't have a problem striking up a conversation with someone. I've had friends for a long time and I think sometimes about 
the conversations that I have during the day, sometimes with complete strangers, sometimes with people that I've known for a long time. And like, I'm kicking myself at the end of the night. I'm like, is that what you said, Nathan? I walk out of my door and I, I run into a neighbor friend of mine, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't go to church. And you know what I said? This weather, whoo, getting hotter outside. <laughs> you know what I said next? Man, that, that, my bracket is busted. What about yours? <laughs> oh, sports. And I go into this long line of everything that I'm just, just small talk and conversation. And not one time in the whole conversation do I turn it to something that actually matters. Of some eternal significance. Not one time do I mention Jesus. Not one time do I bring like, like how long am I going to talk to these people before I talk to them about something that really matters? Really? Like how, I, there's got to be something more significant than how hot is it today? But too many times with our language, I don't watch my mouth and I end up talking about stuff that doesn't matter, talking about stuff that's not going to change someone's eternity, not investing in their life, not making them better. So Paul says, man, watch, watch your words. In a world full of complainers and divisive people, offer something different with your words. Offer hope, offer life, offer peace, offer Jesus. He says, pray that every time I get the opportunity, pray that when that guard comes up, I do not talk about the weather. <laughs> pray that I'll just get straight to it and talk about stuff that matters, talk about that impacts people's eternity. In Proverbs 18, 21, the, the message is a, 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 an abbreviated version of Scripture, not, a, not a, a direct translation, but I like the way this, this puts it. It says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. Everything you choose to say is one of two things. It's either poison or it's fruit. It harms people or it helps people. It's good to hear or it's destructive to hear. In, in Proverbs, King Solomon just says, you choose. I mean, you're, you're gonna say stuff. You're gonna type stuff. You're gonna text stuff. It's, it's fruit or poison, your choice. And Paul begs, man, I hope my language, I hope wherever I live, work, study, play, eat and shop, I hope the people that are in my sphere of influence, man, I hope I'll have some people at my funeral that said, I remember when she said this and it impacted me. It caused me to think about what really matters in life. She was bold. He stood up and said the, the conversation had the hard conversation that no one else was willing to. When everybody else was saying dumb stuff in the office, he would stand up and talk about things that mattered. He cared. He encouraged. He built up. What we may not realize is the people that we encounter on a, on a daily basis, they're looking for something. They're searching for answers. And if the answers were out there, they would have already found them by now. The answer is Jesus, and you know it. You're one beggar telling all the other beggars where to find the bread. Paul says, man, be careful with your words. They're so powerful. Pray that you would learn how to watch your, your mouth, my attitude, my life, my actions, everything about me. I want to make an impact. I want it to be a life of significance. Verse 5, he says, I want you to... Listen, when you're hanging out with other people, this is going to be a game changer for you. When, when you're hanging out with others, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity that you have. You want to li live a life of impact, uh, we've got we to ask the right questions in life about our life and what we do. And, and here's, here's one of them. Number four, write this down. The right question is, according to Paul, in your life, is it wise? The things that you do, 
the things that you chase, the things that you refrain from. Don't ask yourself the question, is it okay? Ask yourself the question, is it wise? That's the number one question I get as a pastor is uh, people will ask me, is it okay for Christians to blank? Is it okay? Is it legal? Is it, is it okay for me to cuss? Is it okay for me to drink? Can I smoke it if it's legal? Uh, can we buy lotto tickets? Um, should we go to a bar? Can I go to a bar and uh, you know, have a party with everyone else? Um, can I bet on sports games? Like, is that cool? Can Christians do it? Like, is it okay? All the questions, is it okay? Is it okay? And so Paul says, I wanna flip it and say, not is it okay, but is that wise? Would it be wise? Because I want you to handle yourself um, among people. I want you to be wise, not just using like, is it legal? Can I do it? Is it okay? Am I gonna get in trouble? Am I gonna go to jail? If not, then, then it's cool. But is that a wise thing for me to do? Is that gonna help get people to Jesus? Is that gonna help encourage people in their relationship or is that gonna be a stumbling block? Is that gonna be a barrier? Is that gonna make people scratch their head and be like, wait, I thought you were supposed to be different. I thought your life was a little bit different. I thought the way you spoke and the things that you did with your time and energy and efforts, I thought it was different than everybody else. But it doesn't appear to be. Is it wise? First Peter 2 12 says, people who don't believe are living all around you. People that that aren't Christians, don't believe in God, they're living everywhere. They may say that you're doing wrong. So live such good lives that they will see the good you do and they will give glory to God on the day that he comes. There'll be people that look at your life and because you think the way that you do and believe the way that you do, they're gonna look at you and say like, you're wrong, you're you're bigoted, you are just closed-minded, whatever, You're you're not up with the times. But here's what Paul says, eventually, If you take the most of every opportunity, if you seize the opportunities, you walk through the doors, you love people and you show kindness and compassion to people. Here's eventually there's gonna reach a day where they can say something about what you said, but they won't be able to argue with your life. You know, I know this person thinks or believes that, but man, do you you see how they treat others? Do you see how they show kindness? Do you see the generosity? You see how they've, reoriented their life all around this idea that Jesus has changed them and, and saved them. Man, be, be wise with those things. Make the most of every opportunity, the most of every opportunity to serve someone, to love someone, to help someone, to bless someone, uh, to help someone find and follow Jesus. This is one of the things I do when I go to bed at night. I'm laying in the bed and before I go to bed, I do a replay of the day. I don't know if you do a replay of the day, Um, And most of the time it's like a blooper reel um, because I think about all of the missed opportunities that I've had. And I'll replay a conversation in my mind that a friend or a complete stranger or, or some barista at the coffee shop or somebody taking our order, you know, somewhere, I'll replay those conversations and it'll dawn on me. Oh, Nathan, like that, God set that up. Like that would have been so easy to change that into a spiritual conversation, to invite them to church, to, to talk about something that really matters in eternity. Man, that, that was it. And they like, God set it up and you had a chance to spike it down and you dropped it. You missed it. You totally, you totally missed it. Are you looking for these small opportunities around you? Something happened, I know this may seem petty, uh, but something happened to me the other day at, uh, I was in the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts and uh, I pull up to the window and the lady that's running the cash register opens up the window and she said, uh, like I was trying to give her the money and she said, the person in front of you uh, paid for it. 
And so if that was one of you, big shout out, okay? Um, and like, I, I was like, are you serious? Like, I don't, I don't owe anything. The person in front, like, did they ask what I ordered first? Cause like, what would have happened if I'd had like, I was picking up like a group order for like 12 dozen donuts. Like you ever, you ever thought about that? You're just like, I want to get in the car behind me. And there's like, okay, they just spent a hundred dollars. And like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think so. God bless you. This person bought mine. Now I only got a drink. So maybe they asked and they're like, yeah, it's $3. Um, you, do you know what happened? Now you've read these stories before, right? Where one person pays for the person behind them. And then like, person after person after person after person. I read an article on, online that said there was one particular uh, fast food chain where over a hundred people went through the drive-through paying for the person behind them. You know what your boy did? Your, your, your pastor? They handed me that drink. I was like, is this free? Like I don't have to pay for this? Let's go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Pulled out of the parking lot. And like, later that night, I was like, Nathan, are you serious right now? <laughs> Man, that, that was a good opportunity like, to pick up the tab for the person behind you. And if it was a lot of money behind you, you could have said yes anyway. And that could have been a door for you to tell the person like, hey man, Jesus has done a lot for me. God's a very generous God. And so that's why I'm, I'm generous. And what did you do? Pulled out. You just took it. Man, dropped the ball. Paul says, man, pray that every opportunity, every open door, take it. Like, let that be. You know what the problem was? When I was in that drive-thru, I was only thinking about me. I wasn't thinking about anybody else. I wasn't thinking about paying the blessing forward. I wasn't thinking about hooking up the person behind me. I wasn't thinking about the opportunity that I would pray. Th those people at Duncan are probably talking about me to this day. Like, remember that guy that, that we bought the drink and like 50 people in front of him had bought it and then he peeled out the parking lot? What a cheapskate. I don't know, man. You just... You gotta make sure that every opportunity that comes your way, you wanna live a life of impact? You wanna make a difference in someone's life? You gotta be looking for the opportunities and seize every single one of them, every conversation, every act of, of generosity and grace. Last verse says this, let, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. A fifth thing to write down is, um, you wanna live a life of impact, you gotta be full of grace full of grace. And here's a question for you. This, this would be a good question for you to ask maybe a family or a friend, um, but ask him to fill in this blank. I am full of blank. <laughs> yeah, see some of y'all nervous about what they're gonna say. All of us are full of something. And I think it's interesting, Paul had, a, had an opportunity to fill in that blank right there in scripture. And he could have said, I want you to be full of generosity, I want your life to be full of, of evangelism. I want your life to be full of discipleship. I want you to be full of knowledge. I want you to be really smart. He doesn't say that. He says, everything that comes out of your mouth, I want, I want you to be full of grace. In, in, in a world that is tearing people down and, and, and demanding hard on everyone else, I want you to give grace. Grace is the good that you don't deserve. Is that what your, mark, your life is marked by? Are you constantly the person that is giving away good to people that don't deserve it? You know, that, that what that person really deserves is, is to be taught a lesson or to get yelled at or to give them the God's number one finger on the interstate, you know, whatever. But you know what I'm gonna do? <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna give them grace, man. The way that I respond, the way that I talk to them, the way that I interact with them. Paul says, I want, I want it to be full of grace. He doesn't say full of knowledge. 
He doesn't say, you better, when your conversations, you better have all the right answers. Like, you better go to seminary and study all the commentaries and, like, you better make sure that your level of understanding, no, he doesn't say that. He doesn't demand that you know all the right answers. He says, I want your speech to be full of grace. Man, in, in the world that we live in, graceful speech will stand out. That, that'll be an open door for you. So be, be full of, of grace in that, even when people deserve the exact opposite. And the last interesting phrase that Paul describes, he says, man, if you really want your life to, to make a difference and make an impact, um, he says, I, I want your life and your speech to be like adding salt to food. He says, I, I want your words to be seasoned with salt. Uh, now, salt was super valuable in this culture. Uh, people use salt as, as currency. Like you could buy things with, if you didn't have gold or coins or, or anything to trade, you could trade salt. It was very, very valuable. Uh, salt was used to preserve meat. There was no refrigerators in this day. So unless you wanted to be a vegetarian, you had to figure out a way to preserve your meat so that it would last a long time. And so salt was used for that. Salt would change a person's diet totally, would open up opportunities for them to eat in a totally different manner. And then finally, like for us, like salt just makes things taste better. There there are things in my life that I don't want to eat without salt. Popcorn is one of them. If it doesn't have extra butter and salt on it, it tastes healthy to me and I I don't care for it. Like I don't want it. Like if you have a baked potato at a restaurant and you don't put like butter and salt on it, who are you, right? That thing is bland, doesn't taste like it. Salt makes everything better. Here's a question. Are you the type of person that when you're around other people, your life, your speech, your actions makes everything else better? You wanna have a lot of people at your funeral? Live a salty life, not that salty, but live a life that seasons. And people will talk about, man, the the times that you impacted them, the ways that you were significant in their life, the words that you spoke that brought calm and peace, the things that you offered their life that would ultimately one day impact them and put their life on a different road. So which one are you? Are are, are you the type of person that adds to every life that you're a part of? Or, Or are you the type of person that sucks life out of everyone that you interact with? Last thing uh, to do, I think Paul says with this idea of salt is uh, I want you to leave it better than you found it. Write that down, leave it better than you found it. This is usually a phrase uh, that's associated with cleaning things up, right? You're walking through a park maybe and you see a piece of trash on the ground. Uh, Some people would walk by that. They'd say, it's not my trash. I didn't lay it down there. This is not my park. But some people would pick it up and throw it away. And they would think to myself, I wanna leave this place better, better than I, I found it. I was with my girls at a, pizza restaurant uh, a couple of weekends ago, one of our favorite spots. And when we sat down on the table, there was Parmesan cheese, like crumbles all over the table and napkins and straw wrappers. And so before we sit down, I clean the table off and then we sit down and eat. And before we leave, uh, I told the girls, hey, we got to clean this table off. And they they said, why? The the table was dirty when we sat down. Why do we have to clean it? I said, because we're going to leave it better than we found it. I wonder if there's anybody in your life that can look back at their life and say, man, my life was searching for something. It was empty. I was missing something. I was on the struggle bus in so many areas. And then you stepped into their life and they realized, man, you left it better than you found it. 
I am who I am today because when I met this person, they spoke that life over me. They shared their life. They opened up with generosity and hope and they pointed me towards Jesus. And now I'm a better person today than I was before I met you. Can anybody in your life say that? Will you have anybody at your funeral to say, I'm a, I'm a different man or woman because one day God opened up a door and this person that's in the box walked into it and I was never the same, never the same. That's how you're gonna live a life of impact. That's how you're gonna make a difference in, in your life. Leave it better than you found it. Can anybody say, because you stepped in, my life is better. My life is better. Every part of it is better because you're in it. Man, I hope that you have a long line of people one day that you'll realize your words, your actions, your thoughts, your generosity made an impact on them spiritually and altered their eternity. That's how you get to the end and realize that you lived a life that mattered. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for the challenge. God, we want it to count. We don't wanna waste our life. We don't wanna be spending our time and resources on stuff that doesn't matter just to get to the end and look back and be filled with regret. God, that's not the life we want. And so you show us, you show us through your word how, how we can invest, how we can pour out, how, how we can be in the lives of others, pointing them towards you and, and can see life change through your son, Jesus. So God, help us not to miss the doors. Help us to be willing to think of other people other than ourselves. Help, help us to begin to, to live a life that'll leave a legacy that's a life of significance, a life that makes a difference for other people and not just our own. God, we're gonna need your help in understanding how to do that. So give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we've just heard and the boldness to walk forward in obedience. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.